morning, CBF. Uh, indeed, it is a great joy to have all of you back. And we no longer have online service, so all of you are back in WCOI. Uh, it is so joyful to see church fully packed. There's not even one more row available uh, for any of you to sit now. So uh, it is a great uh, day for us to see all of you back. And uh, uh, what a great time of worship we had, uh, remembering the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, this Sunday morning, I want to speak to you uh, on a topic that God has been putting in my heart from the letter that Paul wrote to Galatian churches. Uh, the topic for today that I have is Gospel of Jesus Christ versus a counterfeit gospel. Thank you, Levi, for reading uh, to us all the uh, passages. While my passage for today is only from Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, but in order to set the context, uh, Levi had read us all these verses. Uh, thank you, music team, for singing the song to us. Indeed, Jesus paid it all. And all to him we owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed us white as snow. Uh, my dear brothers and sisters, as we live in this world, uh, we have a lot of non-believer friends, right? Uh, we are surrounded in a society where we see people worshipping so many multiple gods. And all these folks are so extremely religious, right? They're working hard in order to find that right standing in front of God. But despite of all the hard work, if you clearly see, peace remains elusive in lives of these people. And you know what the sad part is? Somewhere down the line, this performance mentality also creeped in into the church. Maybe some of you who are sitting here may have similar understanding of God and gospel of Christ. Maybe some of you sitting here today are trying really hard to find favor in front of God. You know, often when you talk to people on a Sunday morning, there seems to be at least two kinds of people walking into the church. One, thinking that I'm not good enough to be here, right? Everyone else look like they have sorted their Christianity out. I feel the odd one out. I feel like an outsider. I'm the only one who has not figured this, how this Christianity works. That could be one group of people sitting here. Or there is another group of people who might be struggling with sin, but when they walk in, they start thinking, I am atoning for everything that I have done badly this week by just showing up in church. Maybe few of us sitting here must be thinking the same way. Maybe this is the way you're making yourself right with God by just showing up in church. I'm a church attender and I'm fulfilling all the duties. Tick box. Church, we struggle with this is because we have not understood the concept of grace that God made peace with us and this concept still remains a you know, something foreign to us. And we all struggle with it in some degree or the other. I struggle with it sometimes. Last week, George and summarized the whole counsel of God. And uh, he was talking about gospel transformation, gospel renewal. But church, let me tell you this. We will continue to struggle in our renewal process, in our transformation process, if we don't get the right understanding of gospel theology in itself. If we don't get the gospel right, 
the core of the gospel right then our renewal process will be full of struggles and we'll have no hope in our transformation as well why why this struggle right if you actually look into the core issue is sin every one of us is born with a sinful nature that insists that we can make our own way to god and the reality is this even us some of us sitting here who are saved saved by grace still have the traces of performance mentality in us have you thought of it even once who are saved by grace at times we have this performance mentality in us we think that we can earn favor from god and as we dive into today's passage paul is addressing this very issue a church who heard the gospel of jesus christ from paul just some time back they were so quickly willing to abandon the truth and replace it with a fake a counterfeit message dr thomas schreiner in his exposition of paul's letter to galatian quotes martin luther uh and and this this quotation from martin luther actually summarizes the the gospel the essence of the gospel very well uh he says this for uh you know the galatian letter therefore god accepts only the forsaken cures only the sick gives sight only to the blind restores life only to the dead sanctifies only the sinner gives wisdom only to the unwise fool in short he has mercy only on those who are wretched and gives grace only to those who are not in grace but look at the last statement therefore no proud saint no wise or just person can become god's material or god's purposes cannot be fulfilled in him he remains in his own work makes a fictitious pretended false and a painted saint of himself that is he is a hypocrite many of us might be fooling ourselves this morning and if you are fooling yourself if i am fooling myself coming to church thinking that this will earn me favor from god church then i am a hypocrite i'm lying to myself i'm lying to you and i'm lying to god as well let me set the context uh, for us this morning churches in galatia faced a choice between two gospels two ways of living two ways of thinking right they had choice of two things one on one side there were false teachers who were telling these young christians young galatian christians that their performance mattered they said that trust jesus christ and his death but if you want to be truly accepted from god then get circumcised keep the laws they taught that these young believers that performance was important they were also legalistic you know if you think of legalism you know we have a strata, you know a standard definition but here legalism is one working of his own power and of his own rules and one working to earn favor from god that's legalism in the letter to galatians by paul so people had choice to go by this the false teachers whom uh, you know what they were preaching and on the other side there was gospel of jesus christ you know turn with me to galatians chapter 3 verse 1 which was read to us this morning galatians chapter 3 verse 1 it says you foolish galatians who has bewitched you before your very eyes jesus was clearly portrayed as crucified 
my dear church, I just want to tell you the only performance that mattered was of that of Jesus Christ. His life, His death, and His resurrection. There is no other performance that matters. So the people of Galatians had this two choice. Either go with this counterfeit gospel where performance, your hard work, everything that you do, me mentality was important. Or they could have gone with the message of Jesus Christ where the performance of Jesus mattered. His life, his death and his resurrection. You know, when Paul heard about these false teachers entering the church and rotting the church, it was like a rust, right? They were rotting the church with this counterfeit gospel. You know, Paul writes this letter to Galatians to admonish the people in the church, to correct them and also point them back to Jesus. You know, one of the important things about these false teachers was you know, all the things that they were proclaiming, they themselves were not doing that. Uh, look at Galatians chapter 6 verse 13. Galatians chapter 6 verse 13. What do we read? Not even those who are circumcised, though, even though they have been circumcised, they don't obey the law. Yet, they want you to be circumcised. They were forcing others to obey the law, but they themselves failed to keep it every day. And not just that, they wanted to discredit Paul and his ministry. And why? Because they wanted to get all the praise for themselves. They had pride in them. They want to go about telling, you know, how many uh, Gentiles receive circumcision because of them. That was their internal motive. They wanted pride. You know, they wanted appreciation for themselves. By forcing these young Galatians, young Gentiles, who have come to know the Lord, to go back to the law, to the works to the performance. But look at Galatians 6.14. Look at Paul's attitude when he is proclaiming the gospel. He says, Far be it from me to glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. For Paul, all glory belonged to whom? Jesus. When he thought of the cross, when he thought of the gospel, all glory belonged to Jesus. That was Paul. And you saw false teachers, they wanted appreciation for themselves. But for Paul, all appreciation went to whom? Jesus. You know, Paul also reminds us something very important, which is theme of this book of Galatians. That is, we enjoy freedom in the gospel. We enjoy freedom in the gospel. I just want to read two verses and turn with me to Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. And it says that, and yet... Because we know that a person is not justified with the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we ourselves have believed in Jesus Christ. This was so that we might be what? Be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no human will be justified. Galatians 5.1 Galatians 5.1 we read, For freedom Jesus Christ set us free. Stand firm then. Do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. For freedom, Christ has set us free. You know, as we read uh, this letter to Galatians, uh, there is something very important uh, I want you to know. That, you know, when he was writing this letter, uh, you know, his authority came from Jesus Christ. And he was no man pleaser. He didn't want to please any of the men around him, right? 
and he's not interested in sugarcoating his disappointment towards the Galatian church. He was not at all interested in that. Look at verse 6 in chapter 1, verse 6. Look at the words he's using. He's amazed. Some of the translation will say he's astonished. Basically, he's shocked. He's stunned. How quickly these, these people who have come to know Jesus Christ has turned away to a different gospel. Paul was just there teaching them, preaching them the gospel. They came to know the Lord. Paul went back. What happened? They turned away. Paul is saying, I'm stunned. And if we closely examine, a counterfeit gospel emphasizes on the fact that salvation is, uh, on, not on the fact that salvation is a gift for the guilty, rather than making it a reward for the righteous. Do you get that? A fake gospel will always tell that your salvation is not a gift for the guilty, but it makes it a reward for the righteous. But that's not what gospel of Jesus Christ preaches, right? But the reality is, even when we become believers, even when we accept Lord Jesus Christ, we are prone to wander from God and the good news of this free gospel of Christ. How many times we, we talk to each other, sometimes we feel guilty to come into the presence of God because the week had been so horrible for us, right? We have been messing up throughout the week and Sunday we feel, I cannot go, I cannot worship. But the weeks that you do well, you don't struggle with any of the temptations, you feel so joyful to come on a Sunday morning because you feel you have earned it. <laughs> this is what a fake gospel message does. You think you can earn favor. You think it is a reward for righteous. But actually, salvation is a gift to the guilty. Church, when we start believing in performance-based gospel, we don't just abandon the gospel, but we abandon God himself. And in doing so, we also demean his glory. Have you thought of it? Have you thought of it? Whenever we have this false gospel in our mind, whenever we have this performance mentality in the mind, we don't just abandon the gospel, but we abandon God. And we don't just abandon God, but we demean his glory. That's what happens. Paul says, if anyone departs from the true gospel, he should be what? Cursed. Even if an angel comes down, in chapter 1 verse 8, he says, even if an angel comes down and preaches something contrary to what I have preached, he used a hyperbolic language there. He, it's not that the angel is coming down and preaching a false gospel, but he says, even if an angel comes and speaks something contrary to what I have already proclaimed, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that sh they shall be cursed. He's saying any false teachers who is proclaiming a fake message, they will be cursed, anathema, or it, it is eternally be damned. That's that eternal destination is destruction. That's what Paul means. Entertaining any idea that there is salvation outside of grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, such teachers will end up in hell. There's no other gospel. You know, when you read the letter to Galatians, you see Paul's most aggressive language or tone uh, in the entire letter. None of his letters has this, this much of aggression because he's really burdened and hurt that people have turned away from the gospel. And there is no room to stray away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
So with this in mind, uh, when we turn to Galatians chapter 1 verses 1 to 5, this is the initial introduction, a salutation that uh, Paul is giving, right? So if you actually see, there are two ways to discern between what is true and false, right? Uh, have you ever seen a, a 100 rupee note, 500 rupee note, right? We can come up with all the fake notes and try to examine all the fake notes. That's one way of studying. Or you can study the original and not deviate from it. So there are two options of discerning between truth and false. One, you study all the fake in the world. But you'll get tired because there are so many. So many subtle changes, right? That is one way of doing. Or you can study what is truth. Understand, you know, just, just dive in it, chew on it, meditate on it, and not deviate from it. That's what Paul is going to do. Take the second option. He's going to put the firm foundation in first five verses that becomes the baseline truth for the entire letter. You know, Paul's main idea of the passage is Paul is confirming the truth of the gospel and also stating that there is no other gospel. You're getting it? There is only one true gospel and all the other message is no gospel. That's the, the, the main idea of the passage. You know, in first five verses when we read, we can easily miss out the key theme that Paul is trying to make. Like I said, he's putting that fundamental truth in the first five verses. And if we are not careful, we can miss it. And, and this morning, my, my desire is together we can learn from first five verses that gospel of Jesus Christ is free and it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And, and, and this is what Paul is trying to explain us this morning. And uh, I want to bring out three important truths from the passage. And as we go, we'll study you know, why Paul is uh, making these three statements, right? He's, first, he's going to talk about his, him being the messenger and about his mission from verse 1 and 2. Second thing, I want to talk about his message itself, verses 3 and 4. And third, about the motive, the very purpose behind his saving grace. Very purpose behind his saving grace. So let's start off. Let's turn to chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men or by agency of man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers with me. The messenger and his mission. What was Paul's authority and what was his mission? You know, false teachers in Galatians were disputing Paul's authority because Paul was not from the original 12. He was not the apostle, the original 12, right? So they wanted to discredit Paul and his message and promote their own version of the message, right? Believe Jesus plus emphasize on the work. So Jesus, gospel, cross plus something. That was their version of the message and that's what they were trying to do. But Paul introduces himself as an apostle. An apostle of Jesus Christ. A person who has the right to speak for God as his representative. And not just he introduces himself as, a, as an apostle. Look at how he names himself. Paul and not Saul. You know, this is very important for us. This is very important for us. Why Paul is using his given name, right? Which was given by whom? Jesus himself. You know, Paul was a friend who was there with this churches earlier, who cared for them, who loved them. 
You know, it was him who was involved in the planting of these churches. Paul was there with them. You know, many, you know, Paul might have also been spiritual mentors to some of them in the, in, in the region of Galatia, in these young churches. He wanted to ensure that they knew that the person charging them is not an enemy. Paul didn't want to portray himself as an enemy, but a friend who cared for them and for the truth of the gospel. It was this, this person, Paul, not Saul, writing this letter. In fact, if you read, Paul was a poster child of Judaism. You know, in chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, just turn with me, it's there on the slide as well. For you have heard my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to what? Persecute the church of God beyond measure and try to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely jealous for my ancestral tradition. Paul was saying, I was raised with a passion for Judaism. I was raised to persecute the church. I was raised to, to, to try and destroy it. But I was not saved. I was not changed. My conversion did not happen by just obeying the law or by being a ritualistic Jew, but I was changed by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The theme that ran throughout our worship uh, this morning, right? The grace of Lord Jesus Christ. It was that grace that changed him. You know, Paul is not writing this letter as, a, you know, from the basis of Judaism, he's writing this letter from the basis of Jesus Christ who set him free. That is, that is what Paul is saying. I'm, I'm changed and I'm commissioned by whom? By Jesus. So whatever I'm going to say, you know, he's saying that my message to you as I admonish you, my message to you is not my message, but it is a message of God that speaks to you in my correction for all of you. Now, Paul is going to use some harsh word. Paul is going to be stern in his language when he writes this letter. And Paul says, you know, it's not me, but it's God's message to you in my correction for all of you. But what is this message? What is this message all about, right? Uh, turn with me to chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Let's continue reading the passage. Grace and peace to you from our Lord, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of God and Father. You know, today when we speak of gospel, we do speak of it every day, right? In churches, in a small community, right? We speak of transformation, we speak of renewal, we speak of application, we speak of discipline, we speak of human responsibility in our sanctification. But church, let me tell you, without a clear understanding of the depth and the magnitude of the gospel and of the cross and of our Lord Jesus Christ, we will continue to struggle in our journey, even sometimes get entangled in the work-based religion system. You know, until that foundation is solid, it's easy to get drift away into work-based performance mentality. So what is the gospel? This seems to be an easy question. Last time, last week, in fact, George Chen spoke on this, right? He gave us an elaborate definition, but we'll just stick to Galatians this morning. You know, many a times we fail to uh, put an adequate answer to this question. If you go around, you will get one aspect of the gospel. If you ask someone else, you'll get another aspect of the gospel. In fact, uh, when we studied basic evangelism in seminary, the 30 students had 30 different definitions. 
they had something in common, but some emphasizing on one aspect, some emphasizing on another aspect, right? We don't have a comprehensive definition or framework in which we can work. And that's what George Chen gave us last week. At times, uh, in, our, in our interpretation or in our explanation, we completely blunt out God's authority and ownership in our salvation. Sometimes we miss out that. Or at times we proclaim that love is God's chief attribute. Yes, it is. But we completely miss out on the justice and holiness of God. When we speak of humanity, we speak of that we are fallen. Yet sometimes we speak of our ability and potential to choose God and good. We completely miss out that man is spiritually dead and lost. And we need salvation from our guilt. From the penalty and enslaving power of sin and hell. We completely miss out sometimes in our explanation. Sometimes we don't want to offend people. Right? We want to leave out the bad news from the good news. Right? We, we want to tell our friends about the good news. But we want to sugarcoat it. We want to make it like a candy and give it to them. We don't want to tell them about the bad news. That there is eternal separation and hell if they reject the gospel. Sometimes we miss out. Sometimes we do it intentionally. What is the danger? The danger is that such explanation, in all such explanation where we highlight one aspect but completely demean the other aspect, the fullness of gospel is lost. You're getting this church? The fullness of gospel is lost when we try to highlight one more than the other. Everything is important. In Paul's opening statement, Paul makes two important things. First, he talks about grace. He starts off with grace. And that was the theme this morning. Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what it is. Gospel is grace. We cannot earn favor from God. We cannot rely on our performance to earn it as well. Church, in order to understand grace, we need to consider who we were without Christ and who we have become with Christ. We cannot understand grace without this understanding. Who we were without Christ once upon a time and now who are we with Christ in the present. You know, even in, 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 in the gospel when you read in Matthew, when Jesus was giving the Beatitudes, the first time, Sermon on the Mount, he's talking to his disciples. What was the first thing? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the ones who recognize they were spiritually poor. They were blind, they were unclean, they were dead. But praise God, then came grace. God extended His unmerited favor to all of us. And there's two things about grace I want to tell you. Number one, that grace is a gift and that means we don't owe anything in return. There's no return gift. You go to birthday parties, right? Uh, you give a gift and there's a return gift. Here in this case, there's no return gift required. It is free. Okay. Second, if grace is free, it is only free for the recipient. But the giver has to pay a cost. And the cost was too big a cost that was paid on the cross. The grace, my dear brothers and sisters, that we so freely enjoy, the cost was Jesus hanging on the cross for you and for me. Yes, grace is a free gift, but it came with a great cost for the giver. Look at 2 Corinthians 
chapter 8 verse 9 what do we read here we know that the grace of our lord jesus christ that though he was rich yet for your sake for yours and my sake he became poor so that we through his poverty might become rich douglas j moo one of the new testament scholars put it in the, this way it was jesus redemptive death on the cross that opened the wide uh, open wide the gate of salvation for the repented sinners like us to find access to God's forgiving and restorative grace. You know, Paul, when he was writing to even the church in Ephesians, uh, in chapter 2, verse 8, he, he, he also has similar uh, you know thing in mind. When he says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and not by yourself. It is what? A gift. Jesus' redemptive death on the cross opened wide the gate of salvation for repentant sinners like you and me. So what is the whole point? <laughs> we cannot take credit for our salvation. It is Lord who opened the doors of our hearts to believe in Him. If we consider that Lord saved us by His grace, our hearts then must be filled with what? Praise and thanksgiving. You know, we come every morning Sunday, right? What is your motivation? Is it tick box? Or you are really enjoying, you want to worship Him because of the grace that you experience in your life. You want to come and sing to Him, pray to Him, you know, open the Bible, uh, read out the text and, and give Him all glory. Why do you want to do it? Because of this grace that you have experienced. That should be our response to this grace. No matter how horrible your week is, your acceptance in front of God is not because of your work, but it is because of the grace. It is because of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. An unmerited favor extended to sinners who did nothing to earn it. Gospel is grace. But he goes on to say, grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. He says, gospel is peace. It is only when we receive grace from God, we can be at peace with God. He didn't say peace and grace. He said grace and peace. There is a reason behind it. It's only when you and I receive grace from God, we can be at peace with God. Church, when you and I were created, when God created man, it was to live in peace with Him. But when sin entered the world, it destroyed this peace. Colossians chapter 1 verse 21. This is one of the famous passages that we read, right? What does Paul say? Is that we were once alienated and hostile. We were enemies of God. In our sinful nature, you know, that sinful nature very much, uh, you know, it makes us enemies with God. And all of us are born with this sinful nature. Church, the wonder and the beauty of the gospel will be lost if we fail to see the depth, the gravity and ugliness of sin. You know why I say this? Because the moment you don't see sin as sin, the moment you are not able to identify sin in your life, the wonder and the beauty of the gospel is lost in that moment. You know, we often talk about, you know, the great sins that has bearing in our life, right? Uh, you know, sin of adultery, murder, uh, theft, which is very visible, right? Huh? Uh, what else we talk about? Pornography, relationship outside marriage, right? All those things, we, we talk about it because those are visible. 
But what about sin of lying? What about sin of flattery? What about sin of hypocrisy? What about sin of resentment? What about sin of not being content in your life? You know, there are so many things that we don't even recognize as sin in our life. We don't even repent of those sins. And when we fail to confess and repent, you know, it affects our relationship with God. But on the contrary, when we actually see and feel the weight of our sin, our joy in the forgiveness granted to us then becomes indescribable and full of glory. It is only when we start seeing our sin, then the joy that we receive in understanding grace, it becomes immeasurable, indescribable. It's beyond words. That's what happens to each and every one of us. You know, our hope is secure in the knowledge that Jesus has done all that, that was necessary to make us right with God. And church, because Jesus did everything, there is no condemnation. There is no fear. Even if today Christ come in this very moment, all of you who have believed in Jesus, there should be no fear. You can stand in front of God, the Father, with boldness, not because of something that you have done, because Jesus did everything on your behalf. Church, there can be two groups of people this morning. One who are struggling with you know, a tough time, with temptation, with sin in their life. And for you, this grace and peace doesn't make sense. It may be because you have not repented of it. It may be because you don't feel like repenting. Or you think that you have no hope. But we just read, you have hope because you have received grace and peace from God. But there can be another group of people. You think that you have experienced grace, but you don't have peace. And if you are still wondering that, are you right with God? And if you still don't have hope in the heaven, if you still are feeling concerned about your standing with God, then maybe, then just maybe, you have not experienced true grace till now. Maybe you think you are saved, Maybe you might not be saved. You know, I met one of my friends. You know, he, he came to know the Lord just because of peer pressure. Because every one of his uh, age group were standing and giving testimony. He got so pressurized, he stood up and gave testimony. And he lived like that for at least 10-15 years till gospel came alive in his life. Are we one of those? Are some of us sitting here struggling with that? Wondering what the other person would think. Church, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the other person thinks. It matters what God thinks of you. See God's grace. It is only when God extends His grace to sinners like us, wretched sinners like us, we can be in peace with God. Finally, in verse 4, Look at verse 4, what do we read? Who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. You know, Paul just don't stop at grace and peace. He says, gospel is also substitution. Gospel is substitution, verse 4. 
you know father sent his son to sacrifice himself uh, and to give himself as a substitutionary debt for the debt of sinners just let me ask you this why this doctrine of substitution is important if one of your friends walk up to say uh, to you and say ask this question why this substitution why is this important you know i have struggled with this answer question for such a long time and i've struggled to put an answer around it as well so just just listen to me when i say this that god's just and holy nature cannot overlook sin and the demands punishment god just and holy nature cannot overlook sin and it demands punishment this morning we read right romans 3:23 for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god and then we also read romans 6:23 that the wages of sin is death the penalty due for the sin is what death so what does this mean what does this mean to you and me it means that we are all sinners and there is a payment due for all of us and the payment for all of us are required to pay for our sin is death and church listen to me very carefully every one of us sitting here will and can pay the payment of death for our sins did you hear that everyone who are sitting here will and can pay the payment of death for our sins but the problem is that that we cannot pay the payment of death and live eternally you got it we all are capable of paying that penalty death but once you pay that penalty once you experience that you cannot live forever you know god created us for eternity not for destruction that's what the scripture reminds us he created us for eternity but when sin entered the world along with it what entered death as well so what is the solution the only way we can live forever in eternity is when someone else a perfect person a perfect lamb pay the penalty of death on our behalf a substitute was needed church jesus is that perfect person you know and he's not just the perfect person he is a perfect eternal god man jesus became a substitutionary atonement of our sin you know god had to send his own son for you and for me so that he can replace us on the cross i don't know what you guys are struggling with this morning if you feel horrible like there's absolutely no hope i want you to give you this hope that gospel is substitution you don't have to die because someone else died for you on your behalf on the cross my dear brothers and sisters there is hope there is hope because jesus did something for you and for me in second corinthians 5 verse 21 in second corinthians 5 verse 21 we read that he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we can become his righteousness and even in first peter 3:18 you know this becomes so clear that the righteous was substituted for the unrighteous you getting it the righteous was substituted for the unrighteous jesus was substituted on the cross for the wretched sinners like you and me that substitution but he doesn't end there he says 
gospel is freedom. Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this what? Evil age according to his will of God and Father. That he might rescue us from this evil age. Uh, my dear brothers and sisters, I want to tell you something. That the message of the gospel, the gospel of Christ is not a message of self-improvement or some moral lesson. I, don't, I, I just want to put it out there. Okay? It is not something to make you a better man or something. No. It is not for your self-improvement. You have this performance appraisals in work, right? Right? How many of you have gone through performance appraisals at work? Right? Your improvement areas next year, what all things you have to work. That's not what Jesus is saying. The gospel of Christ is not about that. Paul is reminding the church that the gospel is freedom because of what Jesus did for you and for me. Church, we have been granted grace to live in this present age and even for the age to come. You know, this present evil age, you know, which we read in verse 4, refers to the world that we live in in all its ways. And obviously, we still in, live in this world, but there is a sense that one day we'll be taken out of it, right? You know, when, when you read the book of uh, Revelation, right? There's this hope for you and me that one day this present evil age will end and we'll be taken out of it and we will be in a better place. A new garden where we'll be with the Savior Himself. And that's the hope that you and I have. Church, we are free. You're no longer in bondage in, in, you know, to this present world, to this evil world. Why? Because you believe in the gospel. And not just the gospel, not just a fake message, but the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Galatians chapter 5, uh, if you go and read that entire chapter, this is what Paul says, that you are not freed into nothingness. Yes, you are free. You have freedom. But it is for a purpose. You are not freed into nothingness. Rather, you are freed into what? Jesus Christ, who changes us by His Spirit inside out. He's changing our inner self. He's changing our hearts. Scripture is very explicit about the way man behaves, right? We love our sin. We love the ugliness of our sin. How many times we have stood up here and said, you know, it's like dogs who vomit. Those who have pet would, you know, would, would understand this. If a dog vomits, okay, he goes around, he comes back and he sees that vomit. He sees, oh, desert. And he swallows it. Church, this is who we are. This is how much we love sin. It just takes and we forget the things that we are committed and we come back again and again to that same vomit. But when you experience Jesus, He says that He's changing you from inside out. This freedom that you have received is not into nothingness, but it is into Christ who has given us His Spirit and He's transforming us from inside. When we come to church, uh, when we sing songs, when we study the word, thinking that this is how something, you know, one way of earning favor with God, right? Uh, if that is your way of thinking, then let me tell you this. There's no difference between us and a non-believer. If you think that you're just ticking all the boxes and you're thinking that this is how 
I'm going to make myself right with God, then what hope do we have? We are almost like an unbeliever. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is radically different from the world religion. You know, rather than telling us that we are slaves to a religion, what does the gospel tell us? That we are sons in a relationship with God. It doesn't say that you are slave to a religion. You are not just saved from one law to next set of laws. That's not what gospel says. But says you are sons and daughter. Now you are in relationship with God himself. Church, we don't have to impress God. Because Jesus has impressed God on our behalf. Finally, Paul says that uh, he talks about the purpose behind our saving grace, the very motive in verse 4, second part onwards, to whom be the glory forever and ever. To whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Church, none of us sitting here can ever engineer or plan out a blueprint for our own salvation. I hope this, this idea is clear this morning. I hope when every Sunday when we come here, this idea is crystal clear in our mind that we cannot engineer our way to salvation. But God in His will and wisdom has chosen us. We did nothing. But why did God do all this? The question is that, what was the motive behind God extending such an expensive gift for you and for me? What was the motive behind that? Have you ever thought of it? What was the purpose? In verse 5, Paul explains, and the answer is this, for his own glory. Everything in the gospel church points back to him. Our justification, our sanctification, our glorification, everything points down to the fact that how marvelous He is, how glorious He is. That's the purpose of His saving grace. Dear church, if there is any I aspect and me aspect when we speak of our salvation story, it actually diminishes the glory of God. You know, in, our, in, in, in my discipleship talk, in our one-on-ones, you know, where we go through a book together, when we were talking to some of the brothers in church, and this was the very topic that we were discussing. And I said, you know, so many times we say, I accepted Jesus on so-and-so date, and then I confessed my sins, and I did this, and then I went there, and I... Try a different way. Say, Jesus came to me, and he saved me on so-and-so date. He did so many things and when I repented, He, you know, it's all about Him. You know, the purpose of our salvation is His glory alone. Church, when God created man, He created in His own image. We were created for His glory and we are saved for His glory. That's the purpose of the saving grace that you have received in your life. Let me conclude by saying this. Gospel matters. Uh, how many of you like treadmills? Treadmills? Treadmill? Okay, one. How many of have been on the treadmill? 
You know, turning from gospel is like stepping into a performance religion treadmill. Uh, I don't enjoy treadmills because after even running five kilometers, the only thing that happens is you are exhausted, you are sweating, you are tired, and the worst part is you are still in the same place. That's the work-based gospel. It will weary you out. It will tire you. You'll be exhausted. Because you'll realize you're not moving ahead. Nothing more is getting added to you. You're not being sanctified. You're stuck in one place. While works, let me tell you, let all this while I've been telling about works, right? But works matters. But it shouldn't be the result of our faith and not the basis for it. Good works matter. But it should be what? A result of our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it should not be the basis of our faith. In this, in this letter, you know, if you read, go home and please read Galatians. The entire letter, it's just, you know, small book, five chapters, five, six chapters. Just, just go and read. It's so beautiful. And you will see how, how Paul is explaining the things, right? But one of the things that Paul says here is, this far and no further when he talks of the gospel. He draws the line. This far and no further. Don't go beyond this. Don't dilute the gospel. Don't add on to what Jesus has already done on the cross. Church, in 2,000 years of church history, you know, this, this church history, if, you know, if you study the church, if you read about church history, you will see that there's so many examples of people standing for this fundamental truth, fighting and even gave up their lives. Church father Athanasius was exiled repeatedly because he refused to fudge on the full deity of Christ, that aspect of deity of Christ. He did not want to deviate from it. He was persecuted for it. Augustine took a stand that those who believed that grace wasn't necessary for salvation, and he took a stand for that, you know, stand against all those who believed grace was not necessary. And actually, we can work our way into favor unto God. You know, he was fighting for that. If you read Reformation stories, you would have heard about Luther and Calvin they recovered the doctrine of justification by faith alone. And you know what happened? This infuriated the, the church powers at that point in time. And their lives were at risk even. So here is the application, okay? And this application, I have, I have application for three people, okay? One, for people who have experienced this grace, who understand this gospel of Lord Jesus Christ, who understand the magnitude and depth of your sin, but also understand that you have received grace, peace. You, someone else was substituted for your sin. And your freedom. If you are that person, then I want you to choose wisely on the hills you are willing to die on. Choose wisely on which hill you are willing to die on. Church, I want to encourage you that take time in grounding each other in this fundamental truth of the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Take time in teaching each other about this doctrine. Don't assume that someone already knows. Go and talk about it. Pick up the Bible. Go deep into the scripture and teach. Disciple people. You know, so often than not, 
we we sometimes think that just by programs we can achieve this or just by activities we can achieve this but that's not enough the reality is only few people are capable of doing this right who understands the magnitude of the gospel understand the definition understand the scripture understand what what different passages talks about right but church this call is not just for the few you all who have experienced this grace are told to taught, teach each other it is not just the responsibility of few everyone sitting here you need to encourage one another you need to teach one another that's the application gospel is the hill worth dying upon now take a moment think about your own reflection of what do you think about the gospel what gospel is you don't have to answer me but think does that align with what paul is saying or have you diluted the gospel at any point in time have you sugar coated the gospel are you scared of telling the bad news to the friends that you live with or are you bold enough like paul to stand up for the truth and proclaim the gospel i also want to reach out to two other people this morning uh one who think that they are saved this is the category we discussed right many of you or some of you i should say might be thinking that yes i am but might be struggling because deep down inside you might not be or out of peer pressure you did a lot of things or out of oh what my parents will say now if i do something right all these questions are troubling you then i want you to you know sincerely consider an offer of life this morning but this offer is not just for them but it is also for unbelievers people who have never experienced and tasted this grace and peace of our lord jesus christ if any of you are sitting here who have never never experienced this grace and the peace that you can enjoy the freedom that you can enjoy then this call is for you there's an offer for all of you this morning and this offer is not based on your performance but it is only in the trusting in the name of jesus and repenting of your sins just listen to me if any of you are sitting here who are struggling in your relationship who are struggling with sin and who have never experienced this grace that the god of universe the creator god the holy god the righteous the just god saw us in our sins and in our helplessness in our sinful self we were once separated from him you know religion often tells that somehow we can get our way back to god that's work based that's what we learned this morning but the reality is we cannot we cannot so god out of his will and goodness sent his only begotten son lord jesus christ that whoever believes in him will not perish you know jesus died for us on the cross but on the third day he rose again those who believe in him have eternal life but let me not sugarcoat this for you if you reject the gospel my dear brothers my dear sisters i want to tell you this king is going to return soon jesus who rose rose again on the third day our king our messiah is going to return soon and he is going to judge the sinners 
those who have accepted him will not be put to shame but those who reject him reject his message reject the gospel that we have just heard there will be eternal separation they will be put to hell there is no other better way to put it that's what the bible proclaims that was the gospel proclaims let's pray our gracious heavenly father lord thank you lord for your word that so beautifully tells us who we are wretched hopeless lord our ugliness of sin is sin is so exposed in front of us when we read your word when we hear of your gospel but praise god but we want to praise you jesus for your sacrifice for us on the cross because of your death because of your bruises because of the beatings that you took on the cross because of your substitution the death that we were supposed to pay you paid it on the cross lord we want to say thank you for the freedom that we have received because of your grace today we are in peace with god there's no more condemnation there's no more separation and there is nothing that can separate us from god because of what your son accomplished for each and every one of us on the cross of calvary thank you lord if any of us are struggling this morning lord i want to pray that may you convict them so that they can come and talk to us and lord they can confess their sin and repent and make their way back to god make themselves right with god not on basis on the work but basis of the cross but if someone sitting here who have not experienced lord i pray that let your spirit convict them of the truth for we know that lord you are going to come and there's no condemnation for the for for the saved and lord we want to extend the same hope to them what we have also received thank you jesus for this beautiful gospel that we don't deserve but yet you freely gave us thank you lord in jesus name we pray amen mm-hmm.